Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Stitches Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Manerfeld. We've got a special episode for you today. I'm joined by Jacob Zweiback. He's Robert's really good friend down there in Arizona. He helps start Prospects Live, a scouting website. He works with agent Rachel Luba, who represents Trevor Bauer and Yasiel Puig. And he's going to school himself to perhaps become an agent in the future. He's done a lot of scouting, has a pretty good background in baseball, and so we've got a lot to cover with him. But first off, Jacob, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Luke. Uh, Yeah, lovely weather here in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm in my last year of law school at Arizona State, so just finished my semester finals on Friday. Happy to now have some downtime and be able to do fun things like talk baseball on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if I did you justice with that introduction. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into baseball and I guess what are your kind of your future aspirations in baseball? Yeah, so I think you hit quick hits on some of the key points there. Um, I'm someone who grew up playing soccer and basketball, but uh, by middle school was closely following Major League Baseball and getting into analytics and constantly debating different trades and signings with anyone I could get to talk uh, and debate me on it. Um, but uh, I worked for the Mets my first summer out of college at City Field, was working the game-used memorabilia side, so all the you know Noah Syndergaard's cleats from the day before, David Wright's broken bat, and got to interact with some of the players, uh, namely David Wright, got to talk to Sandy Alderson several times, which is awesome that he's now back with the Mets Um, but yeah then a couple years ago I helped start a site called prospectslive.com and have have interviewed minor league prospects from Julio Rodriguez to Royce Lewis to Brandon Marsh and um, most recently I started working for Rachel Luba this summer which has been really exciting with everything she's done as a, just a young person who's already representing star clients and is bringing the 21st century social media side to player representation, and also as the youngest female agent, and she has the only female-owned agency in baseball, so really exciting on those fronts, and her star clients, Trevor Bauer and Yaziel Puig, are both free agents, so it's been a really engaging uh, process to prepare some of the arguments that she can make in negotiating with teams here in December. Yeah, and so for the future, do you want to become an agent eventually, or would you like to keep doing the scouting stuff you've been doing, or kind of all the, I guess, agents kind of uh, have a little scouting in them too, I guess? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how the, the two sides, basically the agent side and the team side, there's some fluidity between the two now. You know, at the highest level, you see a guy like Brody Van Wagenen get hired to be the Mets' previous general manager. Um, But you also just have team scouts then go scout for Scott Boris and help him pick, hey, who do I want to represent? So uh, I'm definitely enjoying working on the player representation side. I graduate law school in May and would like to take the bar exam and possibly uh, become a certified agent um i also enjoyed working for the mets and uh could see myself uh working on the team side so kind of like all of us figuring out exactly where i think uh my skill sets will fit 
Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I'm curious because you know you're you kind of getting an, you're kind of getting an inside look at this you know mega free agent saga with Trevor Bauer. He's the most sought after pitcher on in this market right now. What's it been like? I don't know how connected you are, but what's it been like to kind of be involved in that process at, process at some level? Yeah, uh, it's been uh, fascinating. I'm you know a third year law student. I'm not in on phone calls when yeah, Rachel's yeah. talking with GMs and stuff. But it's definitely interesting looking at the process of how do you argue for your player's value. So whether it's a Cy Young winner like Trevor Bauer or whether it's a guy just trying to get a major league deal as opposed to a minor league deal, you're negotiating with teams that have treasure troves of data on your player. So it's generally not that you're going to present them with some statistic that they had no idea about. They're not going to be like, what? His war was that high? I had no idea. But... um, you can kind of tell the story um, of of your player. In Trevor's case, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball in 2018, uh, had a chance to win a Cy Young Award, had a comebacker not put him on the injured list for five weeks, and I think he still took sixth in the Cy Young voting. Mm-hmm. And then 2019, his numbers uh, look mediocre as far as ERA, but he was pitching through a... a a barking ankle for most of that season and it was impressive in the sense that a lot of pitchers just would have gone on the injured list for a month or more and he pitched through it it threw he's talked about this publicly threw off his mechanics so he struggled on the era side and the consistency side but even that down year i think he was over 200 innings and over 225 strikeouts something like that so um you can tell the story of how 2020, this Cy Young didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, this is a guy who's pitched close to that level in the past, and now at he's about to turn 30 in January. Now uh, he's a master of his craft as far as knowing his delivery, his mechanics better than he ever has. And you think about all these hitters he's facing. He's now faced Machado this many times, faced Mookie Betts, faced, you know, he was... Uh, he had an amazing game plan for Christian Yelich in those Cincinnati battles versus Milwaukee. So kind of like I think, um, kind of like we see with a lot of these guys, Jacob deGrom, who no one even knew who that was coming out of college, which is different from Trevor, but uh, you see deGrom was talented right when he came up, but then from rookie year to 2018, 19, 20, the consistency is just ratcheted up a notch. And you see guys like Shane Bieber too, um, so I think teams, when they see a player who has now hit that peak, they're, uh, those are the guys they really want. Um, and the list goes on and on and on. But that's kind of the analysis of what an agent can do to present the player's story to a team. Yeah, yeah. and it's been interesting because Trevor Bauer, is he's well known for trying to perfect everything. I mean, he's hes always working on something, it seems like, if, if you watch his, his vlogs and stuff. and. He's an interesting player because he definitely knows his value in terms of like the analytics and stuff. He is very he's very uh, in tune with that stuff, and so I think it probably helps with the agent side of things where you have a player who knows his value so well, you know. Yeah, absolutely, um, and I think it's just great that Trevor is sharing uh, insights with baseball fans. Um, recently, he's been talking about uh, pitching command and sort of just getting real with people on like pitchers even the best pitchers are not going to have the perfect command the way a lot of people think and talking about how 
even a good pitcher can be on average missing his spots by um, several inches on an average pitch. Whereas I think sometimes fans, we think like you watch five innings of a guy and if he threw five pitches over the middle in that span, you think like, oh, he's leaving over the middle too much. And, and that oftentimes would be actually pretty good command. So I think there's so much that you need to get behind the uh, or get into the mind of a pitcher to really understand it if you yourself weren't a high-level college or professional pitcher. And I think it's great that with YouTube and Instagram, Trevor shares that with fans. Yeah, it's awesome. So I want to dive into a little bit about your experience with, you know, meeting some of these prospects and, um, you know, talking with them. Uh, You mentioned some big names there, you know, Julio Rodriguez, Royce Lewis, some of the top prospects in baseball. Could you pinpoint one or two that have been your favorite to chat with and just kind of get it, even though they're at a young age? Yeah, well, I'll have to get a third person because okay, two that it. immediately yeah. come to mind are Julio Rodriguez and Royce Lewis. Probably why I, subconsciously I said those two first. Um, and Julio probably Rodriguez. why they're on the top of the, the yeah. prospect boards these days. Yeah. yeah, there are two players that I think are going to get the most out of their ability. Um I mean, Julio Rodriguez is still so young. Um, you look at, he's played at levels in the minor leagues where he's like six years younger than the average player. Um, and I could see him being like a, a Nelson Cruz type of hitter with just, you know, I don't really know how you can be a Nelson Cruz type hitter if you don't have just massive size and strength. Uh, both these guys, Cruz and Rodriguez, are huge human beings at whatever they are, 6'3", 6'4", but just talking to Julio Rodriguez, his hands are huge, his wrists are huge. Uh, The bat just looks like he's swinging a pencil or something. Um, And he's not even really trying to hit bombs and BP even. He's just trying to barrel the ball up, and he hits a ton of like what feel like line drive 400-foot homers in BP. And he's done that in games. So I saw saw a clip of him in the Dominican League where – He's got a really good arm, too. Like, he made a throw, he spun around, and just fired a rocket to second base. And he's obviously been playing well there, uh, well there too. Obviously not, like, as high-level a league as maybe even some of the lower minors, but there's some pretty good names oh, yeah. in the Dominican League. So Yeah, no, I, it's, it's a, I've been watching some of the Lidum games in the Dominican, and it's really fun where you have star prospects slash recent big leaguers like Vlad Guerrero Jr. is playing there. You've got Gary Sanchez. Yaziel Puig is there. Wander Franco. Yeah, exactly. Fernando Tatis recently, uh, not this season. But then a lot of the other guys are good players, like Emilio Bonifacio. Um, Irvin Santana was just pitching. Um, so guys who maybe they haven't pitched in a couple of years, but guys who have a history of being really good players. So, um, yeah, it's fun. And I think with Julio Rodriguez one thing that he's talked about because i mean this kid already speaks really good english uh is also very active on social media and he's just talked about how he's a more complete player than a guy who's just gonna be a dh ultimately that he can uh compete in right field with some speed and and a good arm and so yeah he's really exciting royce lewis um i saw i thought he was the best player in the arizona fall league in 2019 um, with all due respect to you know Joe Adele, Julio Rodriguez, Brandon Marsh, but Royce Lewis is one of those guys where you can put him anywhere on the field and he'll find a way uh, to be good at it. And in his case, like 
that's not even really exaggerating. He played center field in the Arizona Fall League, had several great catches running back deep into the gap uh, in left and right center. He played a little bit of third base. He's mostly played shortstop in the minors. One day he played second base. I don't think he'd ever done that before professionally, and he looked great at second base. So he's a guy who I think, um, A, is probably stronger than people realize, um, and B, is going to bring plus defensive value. Certainly if you play him at third base or second base, I think he's going to be better than your average big leaguer there. And he can also play shortstop, and he can even play in the outfield and play some center. So I love those two players. And to give you one not quite as talked about guy, I would say that Vidal Brujan, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, second baseman, uh, who uh, is definitely in the picture for 2021 to just make that team even better. Um, He's really exciting because, A, he has like true plus-plus speed. Some guys we say, oh, you know, this guy has 70-grade speed. Um, And maybe the guy did when he was like 20 years old, but by the time he's 24, he's just pretty fast and maybe steals 15 bases, but it ultimately isn't a game-changing facet of his game. I think with Vidal Brujan, that is a game-changer, that this guy can steal 30 bases or more in the majors. But especially key is that he also gets on base, and we see so many speedsters who only get on base at a 30% clip and these days, those guys are getting designated for assignment, non-tendered. Um, so I think Bruhan is an under-the-radar guy who can help Tampa Bay. Yeah. And Tampa Bay, I mean, surprisingly for being such a numbers-focused team, they like to run a little bit. And so I think his, his skills could play a little play pretty well there, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, with Moneyball and analytics, we see the, the overarching trend of running less. But none of these... Uh, calculations suggest that fast people shouldn't run it's you know if you have prime jose reyes or ricky henderson they should still run a lot in today's game it's mostly just that those guys who have totally average speed and don't get great jumps on the base paths those guys why would you want them trying to steal 20 bases if they're going to get caught 14 times you know so yeah brujan is a nice mix of old school and new school yeah I want to dive a little bit more on Royce Lewis because a lot of our listeners are Twins fans, obviously being a lot of us are, we're all from Minnesota. Um, We're pretty excited because, you know, the St. Paul Saints is the new AAA team for the Twins and that's right, you know, right in our backyard. Uh, So it's going to be fun. I hope Lewis does maybe start the year in AAA and we'll get to see him. But um, what struck you, what struck you in terms of his personality and um, and just not the tools, but maybe like what's, you know, above the shoulders? Yeah, I mean, he has all of the leadership traits you want for a franchise type player and um you know the arizona fall league is around a six week season and it's very unusual because you have all these star players coming together and it's oftentimes like the most fun they've had in several years because of the minor league grind here they're not doing the long bus rides uh it's higher profile they're getting interviewed more by the, the media so um for me, living in Phoenix and going to, you know, I probably saw Royce play like eight times or so, you know, a lot of looks and talked to him several times. And he's a guy who like, he knows the names of every person on the grounds crew at his home park, even though, again, it's only a six week season. It wasn't like he had all year to get to know these guys. Um, you know, for me, I'm, I've got the media credential, sometimes players 
you know, they're in, they're they're focusing. They're not really making eye contact with you unless you go up to him. Whereas him, if I'm walking by, he's like, "Hey, Jacob, how you doing?" So you know, he's someone who takes time for everybody. Um, gives an interesting interview. Doesn't just give you the stock answers, but engages and. And also, like I said, probably the part that people don't realize is how strong he is. Because we think shortstop with speed, but this guy works hard in the weight room, has gotten just bigger and stronger without slowing himself down. A lot of guys go too far, and then they're not that fast, flexible athlete. Uh, Royce, I think, has really threaded the needle so that, like I said, he's going to be able to impact the game uh, in every way. So, yeah, for me... Uh, he's one of those prospects that so few trades would even make sense to ever trade this guy away. So I think he's really exciting for the Twins as someone who can play for the Major League team for seven years. Uh, who knows, maybe even get an extension and be a franchise player at some point. Yeah, and the Twins have done that. They've done that with like Kepler and Polanco, and so it's not unprecedented. There's a lot to be excited about with the Twins because Alex Kirloff is coming. He looks like he'll be a lock for the outfield next year, hopefully. Brent Rooker is a guy I really like. He gets on base pretty well, and the Twins kind of need an on-base guy like that. He's not super heralded, but I, I'm really excited to see him play. And uh, obviously, you know, whenever Royce Lewis is ready to come up. So that's a pretty good young core to add to a team that was already one of the best in the American League. So I, I'm, I'm liking where the Twins are going. Yeah. No. Well, I hear a lot of you guys had them as, as World Series yeah, found, <laughs> uh, and I think that's a totally was a totally fair prediction for 2020. This was a phenomenal team in 2019, and you add Kenta Maeda to it. That was a fascinating trade. Yeah, and he to, performed way better than any of us yeah, thought. Yeah, so. and it's kind of one of those where it's two really smart teams making the trade. The Dodgers know what they're doing, and the Twins know what they're doing. So, um, yeah, I, I always love seeing a guy who's been around for a while in Maeda. And then it turns out, oh, yeah, these analytics departments and maybe more of the eye test, uh, maybe uh, just kind of baseball operations people uh, just watching the way his stuff moves and how he commands the ball, they saw that, hey, this dude can do way better than the kind of 4.0 ERAs he's posted in some recent seasons. So, yeah, yeah. the future is bright. For I'll add that we all had the Twins winning division except Robert. So he had the White Sox winning, and he was pretty close. The, the White Sox choked it away at, at the end there. So Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually like the White Sox a lot for 2021. So uh, I think they're going to be really, really good, especially yeah. adding because they just added um, uh, Lance Lynn. So that's going to be a huge addition to the rotation. Uh, yeah. What is a goofy story of you meeting a prospect? Do you have any funny stories or some guys that stick out to you just because of how goofy or funny they were? Definitely. Um, let's see. Uh, I've talked too much about Julio Rodriguez already. He's he's hilarious, and he really gets some of the shyer Latin American players who don't speak English very well yet. He kind of gets them going, gets them loose. Um, Brandon Marsh is a funny guy, Angel center fielder. Um, he's got the great kind of Jason Worth, Charlie Blackman beard going, and actually for that same fall, twenty nineteen, the Angels had Marsh, Joe Adele, and Jemai Jones all up on the same fall league team. So around the batting cage, like three hours before practice, was really funny. Kind of all three of those guys would count as uh, upbeat, funny players, and you know, like they put in work for 
most of batting practice just focusing on, you know, line drive contact, do my thing, not just trying to hit homers. But then sometimes those last five minutes, they would just start unleashing bombs and, uh, you know, kind of doing funny dances and stuff to celebrate. So, yeah, I always really like when players from a team, an organization sends two or three guys to the fall league. And you can tell they've all, those guys have known each other for several years. And um, they just bring a really uh, upbeat playful side to it and it's like yeah these guys have a ton of stress people questioning them are they going to make it but they're also playing a kids game and it's really fun and I think those are guys who kind of keep that in mind yeah it's really interesting because I mean uh, we all think of them as players and you know a lot of fans look at their numbers and all that kind of stuff but there's people there too and some people forget that for sure oh, so yeah. it's, it's good to get that perspective on the ground Brandon Brandon Marsh, he's a guy. So he was up like, correct me if I'm wrong. He's like late 2018, I want to say, and he was a huge power guy in the minors, right? Or am um, I thinking of somebody else? Well, so he hasn't debuted in the majors yet. Okay, um, then I'm thinking of somebody else. But he's a guy who, um, he's he's a legitimate center fielder. I'm always wondering when I see someone is listed as you know six three well over 200 pounds and they're a center fielder as a prospect i'm like okay can they really play center field when they're 27 28 29 years old or are they really a corner outfielder and brandon marsh is a legitimate center fielder uh he's like you know this guy could be a good football player as a whatever wide receiver tight end yeah tight end probably and um so he gets a quick step and and plays well in center field and he gets on base and he's gonna. I think he'll hit more, for more power than he has in the minors so far. He's not a guy who's had 25 home run seasons in the minors, but you look at how strong he is, his bat speed, and he he has lift in his swing, um, in a good way. So he's a guy who I think, um, especially with 2020 being so weird, he didn't get to come up short season. He's a guy who I think Angels fans should totally keep in mind. Um, and, you know, they've got a crowded outfield at the moment with Trout, Odell, yeah. uh, Justin Upton, Taylor Ward plays some outfield, but I think Marsh makes them better. Yeah, I was thinking of Jared Walsh for some reason. Oh, a, yeah, yeah. first baseman. I don't know why I got those two mixed up in my head, but that's Walsh, the guy I was thinking. Walsh, Marsh, they're both strong. Yeah, pretty close. Dudes, maybe. I don't remember if Walsh has facial hair, but, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's an underrated guy that not a lot of guys talk about? Um, let's see. I'll I'll throw out some names and then I might lock in. Uh, okay, Wilbur okay. Patino on the Arizona Diamondbacks. When I scouted him in rookie ball, which um, I don't know if you've gone to rookie ball games in Florida or Arizona, but there's you don't pay to get in. You literally just walk in. There's uh. It's like, it's like watching a high school scrimmage, except the players are first-round picks, second-round picks. Guys like Marco Luciano of the Giants, you could literally just walk in a year ago and watch him playing in these scrimmage games for, um, in Arizona. So Wildred Patino might have been ranked like 20th on Arizona Diamondbacks' top 30s or 21st or something, and he was only 17 years old at the time. But everybody actually there watching was like, oh my god, this dude is special. Um, so I, I said at the time, like, oh yeah, next year, as people know more who he is, like he's going to be 
top 10 on Diamondbacks prospects list. And I think MLB Pipeline has him now at 11 or 10. We at Prospects Live have bumped him way up. And he's just a... Um, he's not exactly the same player as Corbin Carroll, but they were playing together on the same team. And I think he's similarly uh, toolsy to Corbin Carroll. Not the crazy speed of Corbin Carroll, but Wilder Patino is fast, but he's strong, he's athletic, he can play center field. Um, I think he's going to hit for power. So yeah, he's one of those guys where before you've seen him, you're looking at your team's prospect list and you just see that name and you kind of just okay, I don't know who that is. You keep going. But when you see these guys in person, some people on lists kind of, you think, uh, he's, his upside's not that high. And then other guys like Wildred Patino, you flag as being special players. Uh, other guys, um, just quicker hits like Josh Lowe, another Tampa Bay Rays guy, another guy who really can play center field, who's got some power but also gets on base. You can see trends in my kind of they have a, They have a low, another low in their system. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why they had to make this trade. They had to make yeah, they had to trade Nate away. Yeah, they had to trade away Nate to keep it simple. But um, yeah, so uh, so he's a guy that I like. And then let's give you a picture, uh, Sean. Uh, I'm I'm on, I need to double check. I think it's pronounced Jelly. H J E L L E. Um, I'm sure a lot of people say Sean Hajeli, but I think it's Sean. We gotta double check that. I'm gonna I'm gonna be embarrassed for getting that wrong. But whatever you say it, he's a six eight pitcher in the Giant system. Um, he might even be listed like six nine or ten. So, uh, but the big thing is that he actually has a live body. So he's not that typical tall guy who's really stiff. Um, this guy's actually athletic. I don't know how good a basketball player he was, but I think he might have played some basketball. And he's a guy for the Giants because they've got Marco Luciano, they got Elliot Ramos, another player I like, but definitely Sean Jelly. Um, that looks right. Yeah, but I'm gonna look it definitely up. everybody like go on Google, type that name in, look at a picture. This is an unusual six uh, athlete. Yeah, listed as six eleven or six. Yeah. Um, yeah, six eleven. Oh my. Yeah. This they is, said he'd be the tallest major leaguer if he or with John Roush. Yeah. With that name. So. Yeah. I do, yeah. So those are some underrated guys. I could give you a bunch more. Oh, he's but... from Minnesota. Oh, he's from Minnesota. Fridley, look at that. <laughs> Will you check how his name is pronounced? Yeah, it's pronounced Jelly. Yeah, it's Jelly. It is pronounced Jelly. That's what I thought because my yep. my mentor is a you got it scout with the San Diego Padres named uh, Kimball Crossley, and I uh, uh, I was at a game in San Jose that Kimball was at. And he thought that name was hilarious. He was like, the Jelly Man. Jelly. That, that's going to yes. be a lot of nicknames for him <laughs> coming up to the majors. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm glad Baseball Reference had that pronunciation guide. Thank you, Baseball Reference. <laughs> Always coming in clutch. Yeah. Um, so I think you you have an interesting mix because, like you said, you, you've interviewed all these players. You have kind of this scouting perspective. But you're also, from what Robert has told me, into the analytics a lot, too, because that's a huge part of being an agent. How do you merge the two together? Because that's so important in today's game is how do you find that balance? Yeah, I think that, so for me, like I said, grew up playing other sports. And so I always kind of thought of myself maybe more on the analytics side, partly just thinking how much will I be valuable as far as the eye test? Since I didn't play the game, how much uh, will I pick up on things visually? 
And it was funny because all these major league games I'd been watching for years, I was actually doing that. Like I was saying, like, oh yeah, I think this guy's swing, whatever his OPS is, I think his swing gives him a lot of upside. And then this other guy, oh yeah, his stats have been okay lately, but I think he's ultimately going to fizzle out once teams learn uh, that they should just throw him slider after slider out of the zone. So I, I, I think what I recommend to people who maybe are a little intimidated as far as putting themselves out there with their scouting report takes on players that they've seen on video or that they've seen in person is that you're probably doing a lot more scouting than you realize. And there's so much that these, these two areas, scouting, eye test, analytics, stats, they're so intertwined that I remember like, let's take fantasy baseball. I'm sure lots of your listeners are fantasy baseball players. I used to always just be like looking at someone's OPS. And if I saw some player that I didn't really know, some 25 year old posted an 830 OPS in like a half season debuting in the bigs, I would automatically be excited about that player. And then if some pitcher had like a 5.8 ERA through his first 12 starts, I would be very worried about that player. And then now when I'm watching it and bringing in the eye test now i'll see a pitcher um who's maybe struggled and i'd love to give you a specific example um i don't let's just take a a famous player but edwin diaz who we knew was great he goes to new york and has just a hard to believe awful first season in new york and that's one where you can look at it and be like okay what made him good before he throws really hard. He has this athletic delivery where he's kind of whipping right at you, and he gets a ton of movement on his slider. And in 2019, most of those things were still true. He just stopped executing the slider for some reason, and you could visibly see that his confidence was shaken. Um, there were some plays late in the season with the Mets where it would be like he throws a slider and some random guy hits a homer on it, or he throws a fastball on the outside corner at 98, and for some reason someone hits a homer on it. And you'd see him going like, like, what is happening? How is this happening to me? So that's one where like, I was telling anyone who would listen, uh, you know, this is still one, one, going to be one of the better relievers in baseball moving forward. Um, his stuff isn't compromised. Relief pitching is weird because you have a couple bad one-inning outings, and then suddenly it feels like you're struggling, and now you're trying too hard, trying to do too much. So that, that's just one example that comes to mind where don't just look at stats. Oh, Edwin Diaz's ERA is 5.5. He must be bad now. But why is his ERA 5.5? And is that a predictor of what will come? Or does he still have the ability to become elite again? Yeah, that's interesting. And that's, that's a, it's kind of not the same thing, but I've been looking at Mike Trout this season. And a lot of uh, people are saying his fielding is a lot didn't or got worse this year. And a lot of it has to do with his reaction or his jump. Because if you look at a stat cast page, his jump is one of the worst in Major League Baseball. But if you watch him field, I, I don't see where they're getting this number. Because Mike Trout, maybe it's the jump, but he's so athletic and he's so speedy that he catches up to it. I, I honestly think it's just a small sample size, and I think he's still a great fielder. It's Mike Trout. He's, I don't see how, he, how a guy like that has the worst jump in the league. But I think it's kind of another example of watch the games, watch him actually field. Because if you, if you watch him field, you you wouldn't believe what you see with the, the numbers. Yeah, and I saw one that was like, since Hunter Renfro just yeah. signed with the Red Sox today, it said something like in 2019 with the full season, he had some crazy 23 defensive runs saved in right field. Um, and then this year, 
uh, it was like minus one defensive run saved. And like this isn't a guy who like got a lot slower or something or uh, is is old now. So that's another one where it's probably like, yeah, he's probably still going to be a very good defender in right field. And in the playoffs, Renfro had some really nice plays. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, teams are smart enough, to, I feel like, not to – fall to the sample size thing which 2020 was definitely a lot of sample size stuff where you have some players that really went off and some players that didn't do well but didn't line up with their track record and you would hope teams be smart enough to i mean you got to put some stock into it but uh, yeah. you can't put everything into it so yeah the white Sox clearly feel that way about adam eaton he was a good player in 2019 that was a big sample size then 2020 weird season didn't get your normal ramp up to enter the season feeling like you're in full game shape and probably more important than the being in shape part you just haven't seen the amount of pitches at 95 miles an hour and with crazy spin that you want to see normally so he had a bad year in 2019 in 2020 this year and he probably played like 50 games some relatively small sample and the white Sox clearly think he's still a good everyday player with that eight million dollars yeah, i was gonna say eight million dollars i don't know if he's worth that but i mean they obviously think so we'll have to see how that goes but uh, you know our guy robert doesn't think so but he's he's always on that white Sox stuff he's always got his yeah his mind moving so all right well i think that's kind of everything man i, I appreciate you coming on and chatting prospects with us we'd love to have you on some more if, if it works out for you since you do have a little bit of the lull in the in the college stuff so yeah um, We'd Absolutely. love to have you on. You have such a good perspective that we don't really get just talking in front of our computers every week. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Yes, it'd, it'd be fun to uh, – I've got a whole month off from law school, so uh, we'll be consuming more baseball and even than usual and we'd love to talk some of the moves that are going to happen with signings and trades. And, yeah, I think kind of the theme of our talk today is just that uh, what can seem like different areas, you know, interviewing players, that's seen as, oh, that's what the media does. If you want to be more of a baseball thinker, um, trying to be on the agent side or the team side, you wouldn't do that. But in reality, um, knowing what Royce Lewis is like above the shoulders really informs uh, your prediction for how he's going to develop. Um, and anytime there's a player with some flaw and the player's 20 years old the question is can he address that flaw and we've seen dozens of great mlb players do it or is he not going to be able to and that's sadly the story of most athletes because uh, only so many can play professionally but anyways it was great being on the show and stay warm as warm as you can uh, in minnesota and i look forward to talking with you again yeah, for sure. Again, this is uh, Jacob Zweibach. He's uh, you know, a, a scout, prospects live, has gone to school, wants to be an agent, works with Rachel Luba, the agent of Trevor Bauer. So lots of baseball background. Uh, if you want to listen to more podcasts like this one, make sure you subscribe to our feeds. We're on all of your audio platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music. Follow us on social media. We're at Stitches Pod on Facebook and Twitter. We also got an email if you want to send your questions or comments at thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. It's thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. All right, we'll catch you all next week. Thanks for listening. Take care.